When you try to set your line up, but you don't know what to do. You can't make your mind up, need someone to turn to. We've got your back, we've got the stats, we'll help you block out all the haters. For fantasy football help, call 25 yards later. Welcome in to another edition of the 25 Yards Later podcast. My name's Nick Luciano. And I'm Elijah Motika. And today we have some special guests um, with us here to talk about Dynasty Football. to build a dynasty and it shall be the very best oh yes the very best we'll take every foe down with one blow onto the next and then onto the next so we have tom yeah. um tom is uh, the editor of overall football content uh, for Sports Obsessive, um, the site that hosts our podcast. And we also have um, the founder of 25 Years Later, uh, Sports Obsessive, Hobbs, uh, our horror obsessive. Um, He is the straw that stirs the drink, um, the fish in the percolator, if you will. Um, We have Andrew Grievous with us. Thank you for that rousing introduction. I don't think I could pay you enough for that. And hey, do you get paid? Nick does. Oh, I, I was not aware of this yet, so uh, I think we have some things to talk about. Congratulations. Well, after, after that introduction, I need to get you on the payroll. So um, we're, as I said, we're talking about Dynasty today. Um Usually the show is more of a uh, redraft focus, but here in the off season we you know wanted to experiment a little bit with some different formats and Dynasty is kind of the obviously big one that we're wanting to talk about. Um, Elijah and I are both first time Dynasty players this year. Um, we're joining the sports obsessive. Uh, Dynasty League, but uh, Tom and Andrew are both veteran players, so I'm going to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, why you should play Dynasty, some basic strategy, and um, some things we're watching for. Um, So, yeah. Um, So, the big question is, like, why would anybody want to play Dynasty instead of Redraft? So, Tom and Andrew, what do you think? Why Dynasty? I'll I'll just tell my introduction to Dynasty because I had never heard of the concept and I was working in an office and a guy of a guy that sat near me we we were pretty good friends and we would occasionally just kind of banter a little bit about sports but I looked at an excel sheet that he had pulled up on his computer and it was a list of football player names 
and I recognized him and I, I just started staring at this Excel sheet and I was like, why do you have all these players names on this Excel sheet? That's excellent. And he's like, he's like, well, I'm trying to figure out who I'm going to cut. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like I genuinely had no idea what this guy was doing. And he's like, Oh, I'm in a dynasty league and I'm working on my cut downs. And so I was naturally inquisitive. I'd been playing redraft by that point for, I don't know, over a decade. And I was like, well, what's a dynasty league? And I'm just sitting there talking to him and he's explaining the concept to me. And he's like, well, you keep these players year after year and you cut a few to make room for rookies. But the whole objective is, is that you're just building this team and you're not starting over every year. And I found myself being really intrigued. And I was like, well, how do I get in one? I want to try this. And he's like, well, you know, the, the league that I'm in has been full for years. I'm sorry. So I was kind of bummed out. And I, I started reading some articles on the internet about like how to find a dynasty league. What are dynasty leagues? Some basic startup information. And a few weeks later, that guy comes up to me. He's like, hey, I'm going to start my own dynasty league. Do you want to be in it? And from that point in 2014, it's just been on for me. Yeah. And for me, I, uh, I was in same similar situation where like, I never played in Dynasty before, and I didn't really know much about it. I was in redraft with a bunch of you know in a bunch of different leagues, and the main home league sort of thing. They the guy started a, a Dynasty league for that, and I got hooked. Was asked same thing. I'm like, well, what's Dynasty? Like, I'd never really heard of it. And then he's like, well, you get to keep these players. He's like, but you know, it's you got to figure out who's keeping who you're keeping year after year, and you get to trade draft picks and everything else, and it's closer to real football. And, you know, and I said, wow, I thought about, because I wanted to do something more than redraft where, you know, you're playing kind of star ball and just, you draft, you know, the best players on the board every year. And then you just set it and forget it and hope you got, you know, you pick up the waiver wire, but dynasty was just more intriguing. And then um, I don't, I, I fell in love with it. And then it took it a step further when I started playing in salary cap leagues where you start playing with real NFL salaries and you know, you're playing with a salary cap. So you may have to trade Patrick Mahomes this year, that kind of stuff. Right. Like, so it just, it's just fascinating and it's just a harder game. And I fell in love with the challenge of it. Yeah. That's uh that long-term investment is totally um, the largest intrigue. And I think part of it too, for me at least is that, you know, I mean, I host a fantasy football podcast, so I obviously am into fantasy football. And if you're just doing redraft, then there's a good six months out of the year that you really have nothing to do. Like you can check in on who the free agents are and check in on what trades happen and prep yourself for your redrafts that are coming up in the fall. Um, But in Dynasty, there's all of this opportunity to really be engaged throughout the whole season which is uh i mean yeah if you like fantasy football like we do then like why wouldn't you want to do it year round yeah and the trades because that's i mean let's face it start up and trading is the fun part about dynasty right and about fantasy football so it happens all year long I laugh because I always call February the month that I take off from fantasy football, but the 11, the other 11 months a year, I am thinking about it, you know, whether I'm looking at my rosters and I mean that this is another point about dynasty that I'm sure we'll get into more here soon, but you're not in just one dynasty league. I don't know too many people that are only in one dynasty league. 
so it, my first year I played in one, my second year I, I joined two more. I mean, it, it, that, it's just kind of the natural progression for most dynasty players, but it is a year round thing. Elijah just touched on one of my favorite parts of dynasty is that I have something to do all 12 months of the year. You know, whether it's working on trades, whether it's reevaluating my personal strategy. And when you're in multiple leagues, you have teams that have different strategies. You might have some teams that are win now. You might have some complete rebuilds. You might have a few teams that are so close to being playoff contenders, but you still need that one or two additional pieces to kind of get you over the hump. There's always something to do in Dynasty. I had a question that came um, to my mind here. What do you think it is about Dynasty that kind of lends itself to more experimental formats, like um, not just deeper rosters, but stuff like multiple quarterbacks, additional positions, you know, uh, uh, premium scoring? Uh, What about Dynasty do you think kind of lends itself to those different kinds of um formats well i think i think dynasty players are always looking for the next step redraft players tend to be satisfied with you know just the way things go because it's easy and you know like we touched on earlier it's just you prep your draft list off you go but in dynasty you're always looking for the next step dynasty players want more inherently and then when superflex started because of the quarterback issues where it's going off in a bit of sidebar here but Superflex started because the most important position in real football is the quarterback position. But in foot in fantasy football, it didn't matter. You wait till the 10th or 12th round to draft your quarterback because who cares? So they wanted to start getting more value and make the, because scarcity is the name of the game, right? So they wanted to be, make the quarterback position more scarce, give it more value. So then we started Superflex in the two QB leagues and I think that was right up the dynasty players alley. And then you get into tight end premium. I wrote an article about why tight end should be eliminated from football, but, or from fantasy football, but it's with the tight end premium that makes it important. So I just think that that naturally it hits that curiosity and that drive for just more and more and more that dynasty owners have. I mean, it's, it's the crowd that's targeted. When you think about, and I don't want to sound condescending to redraft at all. So I'm trying to choose my words very carefully here because I enjoy redraft. There is a lot of strategy in redraft, but a lot of the people that play redraft are the types that get really excited for the draft and then sometimes fizzle out during the year. And that's not to say that you don't have a group of guys who are really dedicated all season long and it's not just a draft party for them. But inevitably, a lot of those guys tend to gravitate towards the something more that Tom was talking about. And I think he really stated that perfectly. Once you get to that point of wanting a little bit more, then the next thing is, okay, well, let's tweak the scoring a little bit or let's modify the lineups a little bit. And it's that experimental attitude that carries over from people who are just inherently obsessive about fantasy football. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's uh, in the league of record that I have commissioned for, I don't know, eight years or six years or however long it's been that we've been doing it. Initially, uh, it's a one-keeper redraft league, and it's been that way since the start. Um, But initially, we were trying to 
slightly adjust the format every single year just to keep things fresh. Uh, and then we started getting pushback from some of the people in the league because <laughs> they were like, oh, I'm just not, I, I want things to stay the same. And if we keep changing it, then, you know, I can't really develop any strategy from year to year, um, which is, I don't know. It, it's fun to do something different and to do something more. So I think what you're talking about, about those players that are really invested in dynasty it's because they want more and they want more commitment with their fantasy football and they want more creativity in their fantasy football uh and redraft is pretty limiting when it comes to that so uh yeah i think that makes total sense and you know for the and for the redraft players that are dedicated that really embrace the concept and are competitive there are things that they can do to make those leagues a little bit more spicy you know a little bit more engaging from year to year but like i said a lot of those guys that have that mindset once they find dynasty they're like oh, you know i'm kind of into this and it, it it's not to say that redraft can't be constantly evolving or creative but a lot of those guys who would do that just tend to prefer dynasty once they make that, that transition yeah and the league so my home league that we have we we get a, you know all the guys are in dynasty but even our home league is a quasi it's a redraft and i enjoy redraft it's fun it, i i like having a mix of it because it it's a draft party it's fun but the one redraft league that i'm in we have four keepers but it's a two-round penalty every year so you keep the guy, that's fine, but you draft him 10th round this year, next year he's your eighth round pick, right? And so on until you get to the first round, you can't keep him. And it just, I just find guys get bored of redraft. I mean, the hardcore redraft guys that Andrew's talking about, but it, it just happens if you change something, they, they want to leave the league. Well, all they really want to do is they just want to draft, you know? So just do a best ball, do a thousand best ball drafts, and then you're fine. You know, but dynasty players are just so hardcore, like, I need more. And we're still, even dynasty leagues, they want more and more and more. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, I'll use my home league, for example. I started commission. I'm the commissioner of my home league, and I started it my second year into dynasty because I got that itch my first year. I loved that first league, and I was like, I need more. So I took over a rebuild, and I started a league that I was the commissioner of, which I consider to be my home league. We started off as a pretty standard dynasty league. We didn't become super flex until about three years in. And then after that, we became IDP next. And then after that, tight end premium was the next big change. Most of the guys in my home league have that mindset of what's the next new thing we can try. And that's why it's always been my favorite league because it's a group of like-minded guys who are constantly looking for that next challenge. In a super flex IDP, IDP tight end premium league is pretty challenging. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that is a unique scoring <laughs> format for sure. Yeah, um, I started with uh, like so dynasty owner is a new is a new thing. It, they, um, but that's why I started with them. It's it's that salary cap league I'm talking about, right? And they're basically super flex, but you get twenty percent bench scoring, so your bench actually matters. It's just crazy, like. There's so many different variants. <laughs> Never enough. <laughs> yeah, Nick, that sounds right up your alley with the bench that matters. You're constantly trying to find that next dude to blow up. 
Um, along those lines, Andrew had brought up um, kind of finding the next thing. What do y'all, in y'all's opinion, what's kind of the next big um, innovation, I guess, in dynasty rules? Whether it's, um, I don't know, for point per first down, maybe it's the salary cap thing. What do you think is um, kind of the next big uh, scoring change? I think salary cap leagues are going to become more normal over the next few years. Right now, not that many leagues incorporate salary cap. That's going to be the next thing that how PPR used to be a niche and now everybody's PPR. I think dynasty leagues are going to be moving in that direction where most of them are salary cap over the next few years. As far as the next like innovation, I think that really the next big thing is going to be tweaking scoring. Um, I I kind of have this wild theory that we're going to see more of those really large leagues where players are duplicated, where just because Nick has Patrick Mahomes doesn't mean that I can't have him too. Like he can appear on two rosters in one league. That's kind of niche, but it's those super large rosters where you might have 12 teams and everybody has 40 players or I'm sorry, most of those leagues are more like 16 team leagues. Um, We might see more of that, but I think a lot of it's just going to be uh, the salary cap becoming more normal. Yeah, the salary cap and then like tweaking the QB scoring is huge. I mean, if you listen to, you pay attention to Scott, like Scott Fish, he runs the Scott Fishbowl leagues and stuff. That's that's his obsession, you know. And I mean, I I've tweaked a, a league that I'm in where the quarterbacks you get you you lose points for in, in incompletions. You know, you get a half point for a completion, and you lose a full point for incompletions. So not only are you worrying about what quarterback you get, but if they're not accurate, it's. I started doing that after Jameis Winston was a QB one. You know, he threw like 6,000 touchdowns in the last 15 minutes of the game, but he threw 40 interceptions the first, you know, 45 minutes. And it just should never be a thing where a bad quarterback like Blake Bortles or Jameis Winston, they're studs in fantasy football when like they're bench warmers in real football, you know? So Mm -hmm. Andrew was talking about salary cap and then tweaking the QB scoring is going to be huge. Yeah. Well, uh, Jameis Winston is, uh, probably this podcast least favorite player um but uh so no no worries about that one uh, i don't know kenyon drake uh <laughs> has gotten a lot of hate over on this side that's true but blake bortles uh did win me a fantasy championship once so i've got uh, a little bit of love for him but i absolutely agree with what you're saying that um the the quarterback there's just been no way up to this point um that has been a perfect way to get quarterback uh scoring to really feel equivalent to the other positions um and to how it feels on the actual nfl field um you know people are adjusting it to do like six and four for touchdown and interceptions um or like you're talking about with completions and completions or adjusting just the fact that rushing yards is uh, 10 yards for a point and passing yards is 25 yards for a point uh it just really swings how quarterbacks feel um so yeah that makes a lot of sense um we are going to take a short break uh because our zoom meeting is running out and then we will start a new zoom meeting and get back with uh some basic strategy for dynasty leagues hey guys it's nick here to talk to you about zip hire 
when the commune of Aron Indern in southwestern France needed to hire a mascot for their town, they turned to Zip Hire. There, they learned about Old World Sparrows. At first they thought, why would I want an Old World Sparrow? Wouldn't a New World Sparrow be just as good or better? Well, listener, according to Wikipedia, Old World Sparrows will happily eat small quantities of virtually anything, and that was the kind of go-getter attitude that fit perfectly into the commune's culture. On Zip Hire, most job postings get a qualified candidate within 110,734,381 days. Zip Hire. When you need to go fast, zippers are better than buttons. And we're back. I hope you enjoyed that ad that uh, was absolutely a legitimate sponsor. Yeah, I'm sure, it, I'm sure it won't be just like absurdist avant-garde nonsense at all. <laughs> um, so let's get in a little bit to the strategy uh, with Dynasty. So we've talked about how Dynasty is a year-round game. Um, all of the different ways that you can tweak your scoring and tweak your league to be really fun and engaging. Um, but how does it actually work? Let's talk about that a little bit. It's Obviously, there's got to be a draft because it's fantasy football. Um, but there's a startup draft and there's a rookie draft that happens every year. And so get into that a little bit and uh, tell us more about how that works and then some strategy going into uh, setting up your league. I always start with know your format it, it, because your strategy is going to it's going to vary depending on what your format is if you are in a standard dynasty league where it's one quarterback the scoring is what we can call quote unquote normal there's no idp positions or anything like that you're thinking in the startup draft who are the impact players the guys that are putting up points right now for me that I can have for several years. You know, I might not want to draft. I always use Larry Fitzgerald as an example, and I realize that's kind of a dated example because he's not putting up huge numbers anymore. But I always, I always used to say, you don't draft Fitz in the first round, even though he's putting up first round numbers. You know, mm-hmm. Larry Fitz is going to get you great stats, but he's a guy that you can get a few rounds back because everybody is going for the younger model who puts up those kind of numbers in the first four or five rounds. My strategy, if I'm going into a dynasty startup that is not super flex or tight end premium or anything like that is I like to build around young wide receivers. I've always had that mentality because wide receivers are durable. They play forever. You're getting production well into their thirties from wide receivers. So if I can get a 23 or 24 year old stud wide receiver in the first and second round, I'm feeling ecstatic. I remember taking Des Bryant at one six and Julio Jones in the second round back when those guys were as, as elite as possibly can be and feeling like that was the greatest startup of all time. And I rode those guys for several years, you know, back then, I mean, Des and Julio were as elite as it gets and people were scared of Julio because he was coming off of an injury the same way that this year, Michael Thomas might be. Michael Mm. Thomas has a lot of people nervous this year, but if you scoop him up a few rounds late, you could look like a genius because I believe that guy's got a lot of gas in the tank. And as long as the quarterback plays there, Thomas is a great pick. Who took Michael Thomas in our startup draft? I think that was me. 
I think that was you. In the third. I believe that that could be the pick of the draft. Yeah, I was pretty excited to have him there. Yeah, as you should be. Yeah, for me, I I enter things. I I, I love the wide receiver, but I, I enter every I enter every draft similarly in the fact that my biggest thing is I go for scarcity first. Um, I understand, and it's a general feeling in in, um, in dynasty is that you go for the wide receivers because they're going to last you for so long. And I like to get a wide receiver early, but I just so I did a little bit of a like a research on this for PPR because I was in a discussion on Twitter about this with the running backs versus quarterbacks versus wide receivers. So the difference in last year, so I'm going off hundred point differences, right? So in PPR, RB one to four between RB one and RB four last year was 113 points. That's eight fantasy points per games. You get a hundred point difference with wide receiver one to wide receiver 10. That's 104. That's eight points per game as well. Quarterbacks is one to 12 is 116 points. So when I look into it, I, I try and get a running back early. I want that stud running back. Um, I just find that in general, I feel like it can, I can find a wide receiver in the second, third or fourth rounds. Um, but that, or that young running back or that, you know, stud running back, I find that's, there's more of a variance and there's a, it's harder to find. And I find those guys can win me, can win my leagues, but I also enter a little bit different maybe than other. I'm in that. I want to win now. I want to win year one. So it's also why I, I suggest you don't just draft rookies. I mean, Andrew will add on to it as well, but you need that core of veteran players. Don't shy away from Julio Jones. You know, you don't want to draft him in the first round because you've got Justin Jefferson and guys like that for sure. But you need those veteran guys you can count on because so many times rookies miss. And, you know, it's, it's hard for the young wide receivers or tight ends and quarterbacks to be studs year one, you want them down the road. That's why you've got dynasty, but you also want those guys that are going to give you points now. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. If you're constantly just drafting rookies and rookies and young guys and young guys, then you're never going to win a championship. If all you have is upside forever. That is one of the biggest pitfalls that you will see in dynasty is that people that take the age thing too far they're like oh this guy like he's only 22 and everybody loves him on twitter i need him okay what has that guy actually done you know so tom is absolutely right you need production um you know i i laugh because i just sat here and told you guys that i always try to go for wide receivers early and i did a startup this off season right before our startup where my first two picks my first two rounds were kamara and dalvin cook mm-hmm. so i so i don't always use that wide receiver philosophy because it's uh, at the end of the day it's value you know i saw kamara sitting there at one five and i was like i can't pass him up you know the it was a the, the league setup was super flex. The first four picks were quarterbacks, and at, I saw one five there, and Kamara was my guy. You know, and in the second round, Dalvin Cook was sitting there, which was just shocking to me when it circled back to me. And I was like, there's no way that I'm passing him up. You know, th- those two guys are going to get me numbers. Now, 
when you get into specialty leagues, which whether it's super flex or tight end premium strategy completely changes, you know, at the end of the day, you still want production, but scarcity, like Tom was talking about really becomes important there because you are looking at, okay, what's the QB drop off? How many QBs am I happy with? How many tight ends am I happy with? And then you've got to start making compromises on other positions. Am, am I happy with the wide receivers that are going to be there in rounds six, seven, eight, you know, or how long can I hold out on a running back? Because I really need a quarterback and there's only three tight ends that are going to put up monster numbers for me. So I want to get one of those three guys those are the questions you're asking yourselves and you turn into that charlie kelly meme when you're making your draft board and i feel like that every time i do a startup i'm like hang on if kittle can fall to me in the second round i'm happy but then what am i going to do in the third round because i need a quarterback in the first and you know all the possibilities just start really piling up yeah i was i was so tilted in our dynasty startup with basically every pick uh, because it's been a while since i played in essentially a two quarterback league Um, and so i was sitting there in the first round and josh allen was still there and i was like well i guess i've got (laughs) to take like what what i think i should do probably is josh allen but it's been five years since i drafted a quarterback earlier than round nine (laughs) and so like what am I doing here I guess I'll do it and then I just like you know talking about Tom what you were saying of getting that those scarcity guys that are those stud running backs I mean that's very much a redraft philosophy that you have to draft your stud running backs in the first couple rounds because once you get past essentially round three or four then it's a total crapshoot of what running backs you're going to find later Um, and I really felt myself wanting to do that in this draft um, and ended up with my first running back being Austin Eckler in the fourth, who I've now traded away, um, Mm -hmm. which was just really scary for me, essentially, because I wasn't really sure what I was doing. And the tight end thing, I'm just going to have to punt and then see what happens. I think my number one tight end is like Anthony Ferkser. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Starting tight end this year. Yeah. Could work out. Um, Sorry, go ahead. No, you you go ahead. I was going to say, the biggest thing for your first few rounds is trust your draft board. You need to spend your time before the draft, set your draft board up, and trust it. Take the best player available on your draft board. You know, because you, I talk about the running backs, but really, go through the running back list and tell me how many guys you trust after the fifth running back. Right. So it's if that stud running back's there, I'll take him. Sure. But if he's not, like I'm going to I'm going to the next guy on my list. And there's also a big movement now where people are saying don't drive, don't draft positions. Draft, draft, just draft your board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it's funny. Like I'll I'll use our recent draft, for example. I, I was the sixth pick in the first round, and I told myself that I was taking the best non-quarterback available at one six. I was committed to not taking a quarterback because in my head, I had drafted out the first five spots being a run on quarterbacks. 
I was convinced that one through five was going to be Mahomes. It was going to be Kyler. It was going to be Allen. And I, and it, as I mocked it out, because I always mock out every draft, especially when I know the guys, I, I think, what's his draft style? Okay, that guy has to have a running back in round one. So here's who could potentially fall to me at one six. And at one six, I had in my head, I'm taking a young stud that's either a running back or wide receiver, whoever falls to me. And Kyler fell. And I will tell you that I had a very long debate with myself about Kyler versus Josh Allen. Yeah. I sat there and I was like, this is a tough call for me. And I took Kyler. I don't have any shares of him in any league. So it was kind of like, eh, I, I kind of want to have a Kyler share for the first time. But I did not expect to take a quarterback there. I, I genuinely thought there was going to be that one through five run. And I was going to break the trend. Yeah, our draft didn't go that way at all. <laughs> I was yeah. shocked. Honestly, I was shocked with our draft. I was too. The guys, they drafted smart. Um <laughs> I, I was I was surprised. I when I when I, once I saw the first few rounds, like the first few uh, picks go, I honestly thought like I thought somebody was going to pass up on Josh Allen. I was expecting the tight ends premium. I thought guys were going to jump all over that, and it it didn't. The tight ends went later, and you know the quarterbacks went, and yeah, you sniped Josh Allen from me, and it was I was impressed. Like the guys, I just the first few rounds were so different than what I expected. But just adding on to what Andrew said, like, I, I'm in a bunch of different leagues. When I do startups, sometimes I'll draft a guy just because I don't own him. And yep. then it's just because. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I, I, I mocked out the first three rounds. That's something that I typically do as part of my that, – that's my preparation. That's my homework. And I try to see where the pieces are going to go, and I get a sense for what I want to do and what I don't want to do. And I had mocked myself taking Kittle in the second round. That obviously didn't happen. Um, you know, it, it's funny because this draft was completely unlike anything that I expected. And that's a good thing. You know, there, there was a lot of instances where I was looking like, okay, I'm three picks away. I really hope DK Metcalf falls to me and boom, he's gone. I really hope. Mm-hmm. I mean, Eckler was another one. In the fourth round, I was eyeing Eckler and he got by me too. So there was a lot of situations where my board was constantly getting shaken up because other people were drafting really well. Yeah. I thought Deontay Johnson was going to fall to me. And then I think it was, is it you, Elijah, that took him? I think it was. Yeah, you sniped him. <laughs> I, I kind of lost it. I was like, what? <laughs> I, I held off and held off taking him. And it, that's it, that's the risk you run, right? It, you know, the, totally. the biggest people tell you is if you want a guy, draft him around earlier than what you expect. Yep. Mm. But – I thought he would fall to me because he wasn't the super popular guy. And we got sniped a lot. Like It was just impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think all of us had that feeling uh, going through our draft. And I think Nick really pulled off the snipe of the draft, <laughs> trading up three picks to get in front of a couple Bills fans mm-hmm. uh, to steal. Who was it? Gabriel Davis? Yeah. Was that? Yeah, it was Gabe Davis. Yeah. yeah so uh, tell, tell us a little bit more about that trade, Nick. That was with Andrew. I I messaged Andrew. I was like, hey, if Gabe Davis makes it to your pick, I'll trade up to get him because I I know he's not making it past these Bills fans. (laughs) He told me to name my price, and I was like, okay, (laughs) we can do that. (laughs) So hopefully that ends up being a good pick um, or else it won't feel quite as good. (laughs) I think you're going to be impressed. I, um, 
I, it's, I mean, that's kind of what I know, what I have been known for with Spogs is I do the Bills preview and, you know, like I, so I watch the games, I watch game pass and watch NFL and I watch the condensed film and then I watch every snap for the players or some of them. And Gabe Davis made such an advance this year, his toe tapping mm-hmm. on the sideline in the playoff game against the Ravens, I believe it was, oh. was spectacular. Like that kid shouldn't be making those moves. I've always, I wasn't impressed with him as a route runner. I wasn't, I didn't think he was much more than a big body at the start, but by the end of the year, that kid just morphed and he, he just figured stuff out. He was making toe taps like Tyler Lockett does. You're not going to be disappointed. That kid's a stud. Those are definitely what kind of sold me. Plus like there were a couple of weeks where I either needed like big games from Stefan Diggs or um, Cole Beasley or something. And then I'd be like, Oh, well there's, someone else catching that touchdown pass that I needed <laughs> and, and and it was inevitably uh Gabe Davis so I was like oh I'll keep that in mind <laughs> you know that is one of my favorite parts about dynasty though is watching these guys that aren't superstars yet and saying that's my guy a year from now he's got all the potential in the world and then trying to make an offer like hey I'll give you a third round pick for him I'll give you a fourth round pick for him and seeing does the owner see the same thing in him that I do. You know, one of those guys for me is Van Jefferson from the Rams. Mm -hmm. I feel like that guy has all the potential in the world and I'm offering everybody out there a third round pick for him. I'm not going higher than a third. You know, there's a lot of mouths to feed and with the Rams, but Mm -hmm. I'm throwing a third out for him in all the leagues that I, that I can potentially swoop and Tyler Boyd as a Bengals fan was one of those guys for me where I was like this guy is a stud in the making and it was really just this year that he started to get the fantasy props that he deserves yeah definitely do y'all generally value those kind of players over the rookie round draft picks um in general like is that definitely something you try to do is maybe trade away some of those later rookie draft picks for those guys that are you have your sights for or um do you generally like to take rookies more with those picks it's a hard call because the one thing i will say is that first round rookie draft picks are overvalued they're extremely valuable but i i think they're overvalued because of how often rookies miss we just miss on rookies so i mean for example deshaun watson Right. If you could trade away like a mid first rookie pick, if somebody's willing to trade Deshaun Watson or if, or like take early first, um, I will take the stud quarterback, the generational talent that I know over a rookie that I don't know. Um, most of the time, it depends on your team makeup, right? It depends on what you need, but rookie value, rookie picks are extremely valuable. It's just you have to be careful with how valuable you, how much of value put on them. Because like I said, so many rookies come in the league, like, you know, Nikhil Harry, you know, he was a big stud and then he's junk. He's just, he's not good. So just be careful how much value you put on a rookie pick, but it's, if you can get a bunch of rookie picks or somebody, that's one thing, but yeah, if you can get a stud that's young in dynasty, I will take him over a rookie pick. 
you know, for me, every year is different. I, I'm definitely one of those guys that looks at the classes a year or two in advance. And I'll be completely honest with you guys, this year and next year are not classes I'm excited about. You know, so I am more than happy to trade away this year's picks and next year's picks in advance just because it's not a group that I'm overly thrilled with. But to put things in a bit of a historical context, this past year, the, the class that came in, they were saying two or three years ahead of time by 2020 seconds. If you can get a second round pick in the 2020 draft class, you are going to be happy. And if you look at a lot of those guys that went off the board in the second round, guys like Claypool, you were getting him in the middle of the second round. That guy has all the potential in the world. You know, he, he had a great rookie season. Who knows what he does from here, but looking back at it, guys that got him for two, six, two, seven, two, eight, they're thrilled. Um, there are some rookie classes that when you look at them, though, the guys that go in the first round never make an impact on the NFL. And then there's other years where you have Beckham and Mike Evans both going in the first round. You know, that right. that was one of those rookie classes that people will be talking about forever. Yeah. And then you also have some years where you get tricked by an Eddie Lacy that looks mm -hmm. like he's going to be a stud forever. Yep. Uh, and then disappears. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I uh, in in our Spobs league, I followed that uh, advice by trading away uh, that first round pick, which was one eleven, which is you know almost not a first round pick anymore. Um, but in that deal to get Saquon Barkley, which is you know we know what Saquon Barkley can do as long as he's on the field. Um, and for right now, at least. Uh, probably more than whoever I was going to grab at, uh, at one eleven. So we'll see if that works out for me. Yeah. I mean, in every class is completely unique. It, when you look at last year's class, think about how many studs are playing. They are heading into their second year in the NFL, you know, and then there's guys like Tua who had a lot of question marks going into him, but you could get him at the end of the first round, early second round. I remember trading back a few spots and taking him at 110 and feeling like, okay, I need a quarterback and taking him at 110 felt safe. I picked up an extra second round pick, which wound up being Claypool. So I was pretty happy about that. But guys like Swift were originally supposed to go 1-1, and they were falling down the draft board to like 1-8, 1-9, 110. Guys like Joe Burrow were just constantly moving up the draft board. Hashtag who day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, C.D. Lamp, you know, that guy is a stud, and people were picking him up between 1-6 and 1-9. That's a wide receiver that you're building your team around. Yeah. I mean, I, he's my favorite player from last year's class besides Burrow for Bengals reasons. I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of Lamb. I think that guy's just going to be phenomenal. Yeah, and they were talking about that rookie class of wide receivers for, you know, like you said, a couple years ahead of time. And you just had, I mean, you know, your Claypool, Jefferson, even Pittman, who was kind of hit or miss but has upside. You know, there's so many wide receivers, whereas – this year's class is uh, not, uh, they're in a different class. They're not going to probably produce in that same way. Yeah. I mean, th this was obviously Trevor Lawrence's class, you know, it, it's him. And then you debate who's number two. 
-hmm. And if you're in super flex leagues, it's interesting because there's a handful of quarterbacks you can make the case for at one, two, and you're seeing a lot of different opinions pop up. I, I don't know if you guys have got too deep into that yet, but I'm in a lot of Facebook groups for, uh, and the, really the only reason I use Facebook at all is for these dynasty groups. I'm not much <laughs> of a Facebook guy, but I do love these conversations that we have on there that I use Twitter for most of my social media, but Facebook has better dynasty discussions. Um, <laughs> That's a hot tip. That's uh, good to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you're debating getting rid of your Facebook, don't just use <laughs> dynasty discussions. <laughs> but these these guys, I mean, so many people are so opinionated about the next three quarterbacks after Trevor Lawrence. And it's really fascinating to me to see the varying opinions. You know, Justin Fields a few weeks ago was considered a lock for one, two and mm -hmm. most super flex drafts, but not anymore. You know, right. that, that that has quickly changed. In the real NFL launched. Like Zach Wilson is jumping up on the board yep. the second as the number two overall. Like they're saying the Jets are going to take him. Justin Fields has bounced down to I've seen some mocks by NFL experts where he falls all the way to 24 to Pittsburgh. Like it's crazy. Zach is my guy. You know, I you know, if if you have one one, you are not letting it go because Trevor Lawrence is just considered to be one of those guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the guys that have the first overall pick in dynasty drafts this year, especially super flex are like, give me half your team. If you want one, one, right. it's, it's one of those years. Um, but I'm looking at guys like Zach and I'm like, man, I like him a lot. I, I think that he's got the tools to be a great NFL quarterback. And I don't know if you, every draft's going to be different. Every league's going to be different because there's some people that might still be on the field's train and there's other players that are being talked about. And obviously it's not just quarterbacks that go in the top few picks, you know, because there are some stud running backs. There's obviously a huge tight end who has the best hands in this year's draft mm -hmm. um, that uh, people are going to be looking at. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, that guy's hands are just something else. And I'm really hoping my, the Bengals take him at one five. But hey, that's just me throwing that out there. <laughs> I love all the Bengals talk. We need more of it. Always more Bengals talk on this pod. Well, Elijah, you had a chance for um, a T. Higgins reference when you were talking about rookie wide receivers this year, and just dropped the ball. <laughs> I missed him. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, T. I got T. Higgins at uh, the first pick of the second round in my home league. And I consider that to be a steal. Absolutely. You know, guys were, they, they were taking Henry Ruggs at the end of the first round. And I'm not a Ruggs fan at all, personally. No offense to the guy, but T. Higgins is my guy. Um, but yeah. I, I will throw out this one last Bengals thing before we move on here. Thank somebody, you. somebody recently sent me a meme that no Bengals fan has ever been able to send a text message that said the Bengals just want a playoff game. Yeah, my brother texted me that too as a Browns yeah. fan. Very frustrating. Yeah. It, I know. And it's going to happen one day. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll get there. So, uh, so Andrew, you, you're thinking that uh, it's not Justin Fields that is uh, your guy as the number two quarterback. Um, Tom, what do you think as far as uh, – who your favorite non-Trevor Lawrence quarterback is. Because it seems like there's really, you know, there's Trevor Lawrence and then there's three of them, and then there's that guy from Alabama as uh, sort of the resounding fifth. But it's funny, though, because 
I'll tell you who my I'll tell you who my second guy is not, and that's Trey Lance. This yeah. whole like zero interception thing, it's fake. No, he didn't. <laughs> if you just look at stats, then sure, take Trey Lance. It's great, but there was many times where it, it should have been intercepted, and the defenders just dropped the ball or like whatever. He, he, I like him, but I I mean I'm saying this from somebody who doesn't watch a whole ton of college football. I'm I'm in Canada, and we just. And where I'm for, where I am right now, we just don't get a lot of college football. But I mean, I watch what I can. Um, I actually like Mac Jones. I but I think that I don't I don't know. I think it should be Mac Jones or or Zach Wilson is my my opinion. I just think I just tend to trust the bigger school kids. Like say what you want about Mac Jones, he doesn't look like an athlete. But I mean, he played for Bama. The kid's a stud. Um, if you're playing at that high level. And you're playing against the best defenders in the nation in college. I just think I'll give him more. I'll give I'll give him that benefit of the doubt. Um, I, I just Bama players tend to just do well in general, like in translate to the NFL. Like they've got a more pro style offense. It's like um, it's like OSU, right? It just there's certain there's certain schools that just that work. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm sticking with I, I'm sticking with Jones and Fields. Those are my two that I think are just going to be studs. Yeah. Not, but that's who I think. Yeah. I, I think Fields is a firm number three. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Zach is definitely my number two. There, there's no doubt about it. And as an Ohio guy, I feel bad having Fields three. But if I'm giving you my opinion as a football fan and as a fantasy football player, Justin Fields is number three in my rankings. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, if, if we uh, drafted for the – teams that we love or the regions that we love then you and i would have uh, been sniping bangles back and forth and back and forth back and forth <laughs> uh, awesome well yeah that's i'm really interested to start diving into rookies because that's something that i've never done as somebody that's never played dynasty before you know it's just the rookies you know we get to july or so we start getting into preseason of essentially it's just who's the rookie running back that has the job on his team and where am I going to draft him? Is he going to be a Clyde Edwards Alaire or is he going to be, you know, somebody that like a JK Dobbins that you can steal a little bit later. Um, but this is going to be really interesting for me actually caring about the landing spots in the NFL draft when the NFL draft actually happens. Uh, I think that'll be a fun addition. It, it changes your perspective as a football fan. You know, I, I know that before I got into Dynasty, as a Bengals fan, obviously I wanted to know what they, they were going to do in all seven rounds. But for the most part, I, I really wanted to see the first and second round picks for the other teams. And Dynasty changed all that because I care about all seven rounds for all teams now. You know, they, there is not a wasted pick there because Every pick in the actual NFL draft has an impact on Dynasty. So I, I study and analyze all seven rounds the way that I would have just done for my beloved Bengals before. And I like to do NFL, or I'm sorry, Dynasty rookie drafts two weeks after the NFL draft. So it's still fresh in your mind. You, you see who's going where because landing spots can be crucially important. But I do want to throw out one of my favorite Dynasty rules, which is draft on talent, not on landing spot. And I know that's a controversial statement, but if a ta talent is always going to rise to the top, 
you know, if somebody goes to the Jets or the Jaguars or a team that I'm not as fond of, if they've got talent, I still want them on my squad because uh, talent just rises to the top. And that's something that I've always believed in. Yeah, people have this tendency of saying it's the whole chase volume article. Well, there's nobody else there. But okay, but if he's not good, he's not going to get the ball. It's just the way it goes. You know, they they've tried to make Farrell Cooper and all this other and they, all these other guys that come into the league and they're like, wow, you know, this guy's going to be a stud and blah blah blah. And they, they look at situation um, strictly, and it the situation matters, but you also don't know what the team is going to be like. The NFL changes so much every year. You know, people walk in thinking, well, this is going to be great. The, the LA Rams eat them up. Get as many Rams as you can because a couple of years ago, because, you know, that's the best line of football. Well, what happened the next, you know, what happened that year? You know, like the, the line stunk. It just get the talent because the talent, like I said, and, and Andrew said rather is the talent rises to the top, take the best guys with the most talent, because if they're that talented, they get open and the quarterback is going to throw to somebody that's open. Yeah. I, I saw an argument recently on social media where people were knocking Trevor Lawrence because he's going to be a Jag. And I thought that was the most ridiculous thing that I've read. The kid has a handful of amazing wide receivers. He's going to be throwing to, and he's got all the talent in the world. Why would I not want a young, talented quarterback with capable wide receivers to throw to? I mean, that, that to me is a no brainer. Give me the young, talented quarterback. Who's got three or four capable weapons right there at his disposal. They can yeah. build the rest of the team around him. People knocking Chark because yeah. had garbage throwing to him. And this Gardner Minshew thing, I'm so glad it's over. <laughs> Minshew sucks. He's terrible. It's yeah. he, he's as bad as his mustache. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> but so you get DJ Chark is a stud. That kid is insanely fast. He's six foot two. He's a monster. He just wins the ball. You give me a quarterback that is going to throw to you. Talk about drafting talent. You like DJ Chark is an elite, elite, elite wide receiver in this league, and he's finally going to have a quarterback that's not going to be afraid and while well, that can throw him the ball, that can actually get him the ball downfield without throwing it forty yards up in the air with a loft like he had with Minshew. You know, like you get a kid like Lawrence, that, and you give him the talent around him. I mean, the sky's the limit. We'll see what happens. Hopefully the O line can protect him, and hopefully the kid just catches on. But again, I'll trust any I'll trust a stud kid coming out of Alabama that's going to go to a team that has stud talent around him for receiving weapons like all day. And then James Robinson is a good running back who's probably going to have a backfield mate. He's not he's not a he's not a bell cow, but that team has so much talent. Yeah, absolutely. They are. Uh... Yeah, I mean, and you can see what a, a good quarterback can do as well. I mean, I'm going to use this opportunity to talk about the Bengals again. Sue me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, bring in Joe Burrow, um, who, yeah, the offensive line has been brutal, but he has all the weapons around him, and you saw what he could do, even though he had to throw the ball like 50 times a game. Um, but the offense was cooking, um, and it's only going to go – up from there and as far as a dynasty prospect goes um the Bengals are not a good team you know they drafted number one overall but they have the opportunity especially in fantasy to produce uh, some goodness one of my favorite things about dynasty is drafting players that aren't big names but you know a little bit about them from college and you're like ooh, 
that guy might pay off. And you take him in the third or fourth round of a, a rookie draft just because you've got a good feeling about him or you saw him play a handful of college games and you're like, he could possibly pay off even though he's wide receiver five on a bad team. I want to hold on to him for two or three years. And then when that guy pays off, that is one of the best feelings in the world. And that's the thing about Dynasty is you scout these guys. You, you have them sit on your bench. You believe in them. And you're like, one of these days, I'm either going to have to cut him and admit that I was wrong or he's going to pay off. And when he pays off, there's no better feeling. Dynasty allows opportunities like that. It's it's back to the long-term investment. You know, we, we're not only keeping the same team, but we're investing in players. We're investing in positions. I'm a big believer in the three-year window with running backs. Running backs get banged up quick. After three solid years, unless you're Derrick Henry, you're on the decline. And that guy, like, I, I just think Henry's a freak of nature, even though I traded him to Tom in another league. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did. I did. This year, I, I think he's going to bring you a lot of points this year. But um, <laughs> the rule of thumb is the rookie contract, right? What's that? The rookie contract. That's the rule of thumb. Yeah. For rookie back. contract. Yep. Because uh, the position just so much wear and tear. So I, I love finding those running backs in the third round of a rookie draft that I feel like if the guy they're sitting behind on the depth chart gets banged up, he's going to come into the league and be a stud in week 13. And everyone's going to be like, Oh, is he on the wire? No, Andrew's got him. Like I love having those kind of guys. And for me, that's so much of the fun is watching football, especially college and saying, when this guy gets a chance in the NFL, he's going to pay off. And it's little things like that that you don't get to do in redraft because if it's a 16 round draft, you're taking 16 guys that you're pretty well versed with already, you know, so not to knock redraft, but that that's an added bonus of dynasty is getting to make these long-term plays. Yeah. Redraft is just, it's fun. It's starball. Like that's, you know, you're drafting studs and you're drafting stars and you're hoping they panel. It's, it's fun. But it's I'm not serious about redraft is anywhere near like with dynasty. You have to just pay attention to dynasty. It's the closest thing guys like us will ever get to being an NFL GM. And the other example I use is for the generation that grew up playing Madden as kids. Mm -hmm. This is Madden GM mode, but you're an adult and you don't have to tell your wife you're playing video games all the time. <laughs> wife plays. <laughs> <laughs> If I were playing Madden all the time, my wife would be like, we need to talk. But I tell her I'm playing Dynasty with my friends, and somehow it's more acceptable. That's awesome. I'm my wife into it. <laughs> um, well, let's, uh, let's get one more ad in this podcast and then come back and uh, wrap things up, shall we? All right. Yes. Today I'm here to tell you about our newest sponsor, the Trubisky Radio Network. Football fans in the Chicago metropolitan area can't get enough of the TRN right now. Their hit shows 10-yard overthrow and, oops, didn't see that linebacker, are packed full of the underwhelming, mediocre performances that Bears fans have grown to know and love. And be sure to tune in Thursday mornings at 9 a.m. Central for Mitchell Not Mitch to hear them break down the latest strategy to help you accept that you just aren't as good as you thought you were. TRN. We're almost okay. And we're back. So before we wrap up, um, just wanted to throw out to both Tom and Andrew, um, 
do you have like a favorite dynasty story? Um, you know, maybe a trade that went well or poorly, um, or whatever else comes to mind there. And just jumping at the bit. Go ahead. I love winning. I'll just tell you tons of stories about winning leagues. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I, I'll tell you a bad story, and I'll use it to to tie into an example of what not to do if you're new to Dynasty. My very first year, I told you guys that I drafted Dez and Julio in the first two rounds back when that was a phenomenal thing to do. Well, a few weeks into my first season, all of my running backs are banged up, and I had a redraft mentality of, I need to replace these running backs right away. And the nobody wants to trade. Everyone's like, I'm not giving up my stud running backs. And I very much had this feeling of, I need to compete right now. I need to win week five. I need to win week six. I have to spend whatever it takes to get a running back. And I wound up trading Des Bryant for Giovanni Bernard. Oh, no. <laughs> and Gio was putting up good numbers, and I was like, I need a running back. That lasted about one year that he put up good numbers, and I gave up a wide receiver that could have been a stud for me for years. That was a redraft mentality seeping into Dynasty, and it was awful. My first year, I have never lived that down. The guy that I made that trade with is one of my best friends, and he reminds me of that from time to time. Mm, he took but, advantage of your youth. Yes. So in Dynasty, my friends... It's okay to lose a few games because you're playing for the big picture. Don't trade your studs for a short-term problem that you have. My running backs would have been healthy later in the season. But you live, you learn. I have a story that's somewhat similar, but it's it's funny because it involves a running back. But um, I picked up Tom Brady a couple of years ago for James White because that when – remember a few years ago when everybody's saying James White is RB1, he's going to be the best running back mm -hmm. in football. Blah, blah. And he finished as like the RB8 one season, right? He did, but James White is the check down. Like it's, you know, yep. it, you can't rely on him. And my starting quarterback got hurt. I, like, I forget now. It was a couple years ago. I forget. It's I'm in so many damn leagues. I forget who it I just remember trading Brady. I picked up Brady because I needed a quarterback. And I traded him straight up for James White. And it just never looked back. And you just... Again, it's the same. Don't believe the hype. Um, you know, when people say these, and it leads into also the veteran players, right? You need to have that veteran player, and you just don't know um, how long they've got left. So you got to keep an eye on it and take your best guess. But yeah, I was laughing, and I ended up winning that league, like Brady, because Brady just balled out, and he's, he's consistent. He's going to get you the points. He wasn't the sexiest player, but mm -hmm. it's who I needed at the time, and it just worked. There's a lot of guys like that that just they're not flashy names. They're not names that everybody on Twitter is freaking out about, but they put up points. Cole Beasley is one of those guys. You know, you can get Cole Bleak Beasley at the end of a startup. You can get him on the waiver wire. And the guy for years has put up consistent value. Um, and there, there's a lot of players like that, knowing those guys that can be your wide receiver three that maybe just aren't a huge flashy name, but they're going to help you win games. Um, that's fun. Keep an eye on Isaiah McKenzie. He could be the next Cole Beasley if the Bills keep him. Hmm. Yep. Well, there you go. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I think um, 
if there's nothing else, that's our show. So, um, before we go, we're just going to plug a couple of, um, articles and, you know, some things that are happening over at Sports Obsessive. Um, we teased this last time, but Elijah has a, his first ever piece of writing published now. Yep, very exciting. How to start a dynasty startup. Uh, everybody uh, on this call right now was integral to making that happen from the, the first pitch to Andrew to the review and editing from Tom to Nick telling me that I should write for the last year. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. Got uh, tips from most of the members in our league that had some suggestions for how to approach dynasty. I mean, a lot of what we ended up talking about today uh, is involved in that article. Uh, so it's over there at sports obsessive, how to start a dynasty startup. Yeah. And, um, Tom, I believe recapped our, um, dynasty startup draft with grades from Andrew. Uh, so if you, are looking for more information on what we all did. Um, Tom, do you want to talk uh, any about that? It's so the article is kind of an article, kind of a guide. So we we recapped the we recapped the first three rounds. So everybody's first three picks, and each each member of the league in our in that startup league, you know, gave their explanation as to why. So there's some pretty awesome information in there. Um, it's a bit of a play for, player profile. Um, guide but also at the end of it it also we give you the dynasty top 100 ranks plus um, positional ranks so and compared to the consensus ranks it's pretty spectacular I was impressed so the way I did it was just I just went through a draft board and the first quarterback was QB1 second quarterback QB2 and I did that for the whole thing and then I recapped a top 100 um, picks which took us into the, you know, fifth or sixth round, somewhere around there. Um, maybe a little bit later than that. Anyways, um, but yeah, it was pretty spectacular. And you look in the consensus ranks and we're pretty damn close. It was just, it was impressive. But there's a lot of good information in there and just, you know, check out Sports Obsessive and um, have fun. Like the articles are meant to be fun. So, yeah. And then, Andrew, you're documenting your dynasty rebuild, correct? Yeah. Um, so the first article is out. And uh, for those that aren't familiar, a lot of dynasty teams will become orphaned, where the, the person that's been managing that team for years abandons it for one reason or another. And I happen to find taking really bad teams on and trying to rebuild them to be a lot of fun. So I'm doing that this year. Um, I was co-running a team in that league for years and we won the Super Bowl back to back. And I was like, I told my buddy, I was like, I'm going to let you have this team and I'm going to take the really bad team that just opened up and see if I can turn it around. So the first article is out. It shows all the trades that I've made. And I also look at the initial roster and I kind of give some insights into what I wanted to do with the team. And now I'm back at trying to make more trades within that league prior to the rookie draft and i will continue to document that as i go awesome yeah um and we've got some other things like dynasty rankings that are up um i'm mostly doing uh film writing so um i have if anyone on here is also doubling as a film you know buff i got a for um article on first reformed that just dropped last week um 
anything else that anyone wanted to plug? We need writers. Yeah, we uh, we definitely looking for writers on on all parts of the site, I think, but uh, especially the sports side. We could use more passionate people, more obsessed people. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just go into full owner mode here with all Do these it. plugs. Um, so we have the three sites, uh, 25 years later, site.com, which is where you will find television, film, music, and gaming coverage for the obsessed person, you know, for lack of a better term. We have horrorobsessive.com. Horror is more than just films, it's a culture. And sports is the same way, you know, and on Sports Obsessive, you're not just going to find Dynasty articles, you're going to find several sports covered, you're going to find professional wrestling covered, you're going to find soccer covered. Um, there's some NBA and other sports that are covered as well. Between the three sites that make up 25YL Media, we feel like we have a lot of things that you could potentially be obsessed about covered and we are always looking for passionate types to join us so if any of those things are appealing to you if you would like to write about any of those things my email address is andrew at 25 years later site.com yeah awesome um so yeah i think that's it for today um our next episode's probably gonna be early april um topic tbd but probably something draft related we'll see um so yeah um uh my name once again is nick luciano uh you can follow me on twitter at nick g luciano and i'm elijah motica you can follow me on twitter at elijah motica uh tom andrew where uh can folks find y'all so you can find me on twitter at flanker546 um, I don't have Facebook, unfortunately, but, um, yeah. And you can find my articles on the uh, sports obsessive site. Uh, Andrew Grievous, uh, you can find me at Andrew Grievous on Twitter. Um, I am also a limited Facebook user, as we mentioned earlier, just but for dynasty. really just for those fun groups. Um, but Twitter, I'm pretty active on, um, I also help run the at sports obsessive Twitter account too. Uh, there's a few of us that pitch in on that. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you all so much for joining us today and, uh, talking dynasty and thank you to the listeners for tuning in again to uh, another episode of 25 yards later. Be sure to rate and subscribe anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Thanks, guys. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, we'll see you next time. When you try to set your lineup, but you don't know what to do. You can't make your mind up, need someone to turn to. We've got your back, we've got the stats, we'll help you block out all the haters for Football help call 25 yards later. 25 yards later. 25 yards later. Thank you for listening to this podcast from 25 Years Later Media. Audio recording and music by Elijah Motika.